Morning. You guys ready? passage uh, we're on today is uh, Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And uh, Acts 2, 42, especially, but this whole little passage um, is, a, is, a, is a really good section of Acts chapter 2, but it oftentimes gets uh, pulled out of context a little bit. Not that necessarily the teachings that come from it are not necessarily accurate, but I was struck this week in preparation how, um, how these, these verses, 42 through 47, they're, they don't just stand alone. They don't, they're not just sitting out there in space. They come right after the verses that came before it, verses 1 through 41. And so this morning, even though it takes a little bit of time to do this, I'm not just going to read 42 to 47. We're going to read a whole chapter so that we can see it in context, I think, with what happened before it. And I know we read it last week, 4041, but we'll do it again. It's a great set of verses anyway. So may you enjoy hearing again the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native tongue? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire 
fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles 
And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The thing that I think can get left out of verses 42 to 47 is what inspired 42 through 47. What inspired them to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which was symbolic of communion and worship and prayers. What inspired that? Ah. What, what we see in Acts 2 is something that has never been seen before in all of humanity. There's never been an outpouring of the Spirit like this. Certainly in the Old Testament, individual prophets and, and kings and different judges or whatever would be inspired or filled with the Holy Spirit for a time. But never like this. Never had they experienced God in this way. It is awe that inspired them to these things. And what are these things, all of them together? Worship. The disciples and the new believers were amazed by what God was doing. They were astonished. They were overwhelmed by what God was doing. There was, there was a fear in them in a sense, right? There's like, oh my gosh, what is going on? There was reverence, a holy fear. They were in awe. One of the questions I think God asked me this week in preparation for this morning was, do you still have awe of me? Because of awe that they worshiped in these ways through learning God's word, through fellowship, through giving praise, and through prayer. It is those things, those, it's that worship that is inspired by awe and empowered by a filling of the Spirit. Do you still have awe in worship. If worship has become predictable for you, you may have lost your awe of God. If worship for you has, if it's filled with strife and conflict, you may have lost your awe. If worship is easy and comfortable, you may have lost your awe 
If worship is cold and impersonal, you may have lost your awe. This passage before us is not just a description of worship. It's Jesus calling us to experience awe. And out of that awe, to respond in worship. Isaiah 55, 8 to 11 kind of zeroes in on the first form of worship, knowing God's word. And it reads this way, familiar passage, great passage. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but uh, before watering the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Do you have an awe of God's word? Can you believe the creator of the universe, the almighty, all awesome, all powerful, all everything God <laughs> chose to reveal to himself to us? Do you have an awe of this scripture? of these words written down of God and who he is. Second Peter 2 tells us that, you know, the prophets didn't just go, oh, I think I'm going to write about God, this is cool. But no, the Holy Spirit actually inspired them to write the things that they wrote because God wanted to make sure that we got what he wanted us to get. Do you understand that this is the word of God? Are you in awe that it's the word of God? And awe that it is not just words on, uh, on paper. That the amazing thing about this word is it's alive and active, as Hebrews tells us. That it, you know, Jesus is the word, right? I mean, that it's more than just here, that it continues to work. And we open this up, and it speaks to our hearts. We read the same passage over and over again. It means nothing. One day, all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Spirit shows up. It's alive. It's active. Are we in awe of God's word and the fact that he chooses to reveal himself to us, both in written word and also in our own personal experiences with him? Are you in awe that we have a God who communicates who he is to us? Sometimes we can lose our awe of the holiness of God's word. We can start disrespecting the Bible. We can approach it thinking that its truth lies only within. We can be flippant with the word of God. Praise the Lord for some brothers and sisters in Christ who challenged me recently about some of my flippancy with the word of God, and they were right on. When we lose our awe of God's word, we begin to treat it as just another book. 
begin to not be concerned whether or not we quote it accurately or not, whether we teach it accurately or not. But on the other side, we can lose our awe of the vastness of God and begin to actually worship our own mind and thinking that this is all there is about God. This is all that God has to say. We can begin to see God in our image. And we lose awe of who God is. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 10, another great passage in regards to the next aspect of worship. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to also to the interest of others. Worship, part of worship is gathering together as believers. Are you in awe of community? And, and I want to say, you know, we have an especially sweet community right here. It's not just from my own experience. I've heard many of you talk about this particular community. It's amazing. Are you in awe of that? Awe of the fact that we're, we're better together than apart. I mean, this, this amazing passage in Genesis 2 where God has created man and he says it's not good for him to be alone. And in Ecclesiastes, like the two are better than one. Like there's a better work together. We, we do better together. We need each other. Do, do you have an awe that God has given us community? That he allows us and needs us and wants us and inspires us to be together. To, 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 to gather together, to serve one another, but also to be served. How many times have you been served by other people in God's church? And his family. How often have somebody come along and given you just that perfect word? I was amazed on Friday night. We had some su a sweet time in sacred space on Friday night. And I was amazed. Uh, so many things happened. I'll talk more about it probably later. But I, I, I was over in that corner right where Joe was sitting. So be careful, Joe. That's a holy spot right there. Um, so I was over in that. And, and I, I was worshiping the Lord. And, and it, uh, the, the, the time in my... Uh, Second Samuel. It's in here. Uh, actually, yeah, I've got it next. But anyway, I, I'm over here. And I'm, I remember this... Uh, experience with David had when he was dancing before the, the ark, right? As is brought into Jerusalem. And then his wife gets all like bent out of shape and he's like, hey, I'm going to even be crazier than this, right? You know? And I was reminded of that and I was thinking about that and I was praying and I'm like, Lord, help me to be even more indignified for you, Lord, in order to proclaim your praises, right? Whatever it is. And see, that's why it goes into the next point. But anyway, we'll get there. Uh, but the amazing thing about that passage is I just thought this passage in prayer, in time of worship later on, guy don't know, just met him that night, Pray, there, prays over me. And as he's praying over me, actually a couple of different people, not, it wasn't a guy, it was a gal actually. And one of the gals that was praying over me, she pulls that passage out. 
And she says, you know, I just, I'm sensing this, I'm sensing this, this story about David and I just want to pray this over you. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you in awe of the fact that God can do that? I mean, who am, I'm nobody. I'm just, yeah, okay, I'm the pastor, but yeah, I'm nobody, right? Really? Like who, why does he even care? Right? Why does, why does he even have a clue? You know, Psalm, right? Eight, right? Like who is God, who is man that you are mindful of us? Yet he allows us to live in community because he uses each other, right, to to bless. And sometimes he's going to use you to bless somebody else. Are you in awe of community that God gives us? Are you in awe that as Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are surrounded by a royal priesthood. I wonder too many times in my own mind <laughs> I've thought and too many times in conversations with others I've said things about others that are in my royal priesthood that didn't treat them with the honor and respect that they deserve. I think we can lose our awe of God in community and begin to disrespect the church. Begin to think that it's not important that I show up on Sundays. It's not important that I engage with community. That it's not important that I serve or allow others to serve me. On the other side, we can lose our awe of God and become too dependent on community. I know as a pastor, man, I struggled. This week, I've been struggling with this. God can use others to speak his truth to us. but we have to always remember to give God the credit. Otherwise we get our eyes on people and we begin to do what we do in order to appease them, in order to make them happy, in order to get them to like us, to do what they like, you know. Psalm 150, we'll read the whole Psalm together, one to six highlights the next praise and thanksgiving aspect of worship. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, annoying, really in your ears like hurting, crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
awe? Do you have awe of this gift that God has given us as human beings? No other creature on the planet can worship God like we can. No other plant, nothing else. The rocks certainly will cry out, but not with the creativity and the artistry that we as human beings have to be able to praise his name, to give glory to him. Isn't it amazing, not just in song, but in the folks who write those songs and in the folks that write other poetry or other letters or other important things or those who do paintings or those who, who just, you know, make a beautiful work of their backyard. Like I struggle to do something. Anyway, right? I mean, it's so, he has given us so much creativity. And what is that creativity for but to worship him? To give it up for him. Are you in awe of what he has given you? That he has empowered you to be creatively worship and praise him. All the inhabitants of the prayer. No, no, I get this right. He, I am in awe of the fact that not only has he empowered us to praise him. But the, he inhabits the praises of his people. He hears us. He listens. Does he need our praise? Oh no, he does not need our praise, right? He is totally, he doesn't need us. Doesn't need us to say, thank you God. Doesn't need us to, doesn't need any of that. But he chooses to hear, accept, to receive our praise. He loves for us to worship him. He loves for us to exalt his name. And he loves us in our broken and flawed and corrupted ways to worship him. We all are broken vessels. Some of us have broken vocal cords, right? He loves it when you make a loud sound that sounds like those crashing cymbals, right? He loves it. He inhabits it. He receives it. It gives him joy. We lose awe in praise and thanksgiving. We lose awe of God's creative gift and can begin to use it to worship ourself. So many of us only worship if we can worship in the way that is comfortable for me. This goes back to Friday night, right before and partly why the Lord brought that passage to my heart was because I was sitting over there very comfortable in these nice comfy seats. Aren't they nice? Mm -hmm. I thought I were replacing them, but oh my gosh, they're just so comfortable. Um, and I uh, felt like the Lord was saying, get on your knees. And I was like, I don't need to get on my knees. you ever been on your knees like it's not comfortable it hurts at least especially for us in our culture I think you know other cultures they are always on their knees and I think maybe for them I don't know, maybe it's hard for them too but they just got used to it so God told me to get on my knees I'm like no I don't want to get on my knees I'm, I'm, I'm on my knees in my heart <laughs> we can lose awe of who we're worshiping. Like, good grief, if he wasn't standing right in front of me at this moment, wouldn't I be on my face? 
So why can't I just, you know, freely get on my knees? When he says, get on my knees. We lose awe and praise and thanksgiving when we begin to make it about us and not about him. And I want to say another thing here because like worship is all of these things, not just singing, but all of us are called to all of these forms of worship. And I got to say, if, if you struggle with worshiping God through music, that's a you issue. That's not a God issue. And believe me, God wants you to worship him with song just as much as he wants you to worship him through the word and through fellowship and through prayer. He wants you to worship him in song too. Oh, just go on, okay. Um, we can also lose awe in the midst of praise and thanksgiving uh, when we begin to just only see the negative. The times when we need to praise and, and, and give thanksgiving the most are the times when life is not easy. And, and we can lose awe of who God is and not praise him because we get so focused on our circumstances and we complain and we're despairing and we're frustrated and maybe even we're angry at God. But if we want to fix that, we need to get our awe fixed. And then comes out praise and worship. Uh, Psalm 8, 4 and 8, I read one of these verses a little earlier, uh, but we're going to read the rest of it uh, as we look at the fourth uh, uh, form of worship, intimacy with God. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you will care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Do you have awe that he invites you into community that is intimate and personal? You know, prayer is not just about getting something from this great and awesome God. Prayer is first and foremost about responding to the God who says, come to me. Know me. Connect with me. Be one with me. Are you in awe that we have a God, the awesome God, creator of all, who doesn't need us, yet invites us into intimate oneness with him? Are you in awe that he even listens to our prayers, uh, the, the, the prayers that we're asking, but sometimes the prayers where we're griping about stuff and we're complaining about stuff, but also the prayers that are joyful, right? He listens to all of them. Are you in awe of the fact that he chooses to do so? He doesn't have to. Nothing. He doesn't need us again, but he chooses to, to connect with us, that he speaks to us, that he shares his heart with us, that he shares his desires with us, that he shares his will with us, that he directs our lives, that he pours out his love. It's amazing that we have a God who is so far beyond us. So I mean, he, We have nothing in common with him other than the fact that he has chosen to put his spirit in us. 
And because of that amazing indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have oneness with him and we are intimate relationship with him. Are you in awe of that fact? The loss, we can lose our awe of our oneness with God and we can just kind of go on sinning. When we understand that literally we are the temple of God. When we really understand that and have an awe of the reality that we do not deserve that, it's amazing grace and mercy that he's chosen to dwell with us. We won't, we, like sin, like, well, no. I mean, we still battle with it, but we're like, no, no. This is the temple of God. I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. God is here. He's perfect. He's holy. How dare I? But when we begin to lose our awe of God and the fact that he is one with us, we just kind of go on sinning like it's okay. I mean, I got grace. It's okay. And we can lose our awe as well of his ability to empower us. Uh, to be honest, I, I try to say this correctly. My body does not want me to be here right now. <laughs> and it's nothing to say about you guys or anything or about what God is doing. And I've many times allowed what my body wants to determine what I do. Sometimes just thinking, no. God can't do it. I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. When we say no to God, when he calls us in to do things, to follow him, even things, that, especially the things that we know we can't do, we've lost our awe. Worship team, why don't you count them up? I honestly, I, I, I'm, I've struggled with how to conclude this message. Um, and maybe it doesn't need a conclusion. But I, I know this week I felt like, um, as I prepared, I felt like the Lord was, is one of those messages where... He, He's convicting my own heart as I prepare it. And so I know for myself, um, some of what I, how I needed to respond this week in preparation of this message was uh, in repentance. Um, that I'd lost my awe in some of these different areas. Um, and so maybe that's what it is tonight or this morning. But uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe some of you are feeling that same kind of conviction and, and you just need to spend some time in, in, in repentance this morning. Um, 
And, and so, you know, if, and if you want to do that with our prayer folks, when they come up, that would be awesome. They, they always love to pray with you, especially in those things as well. But, but also, I also felt like this other piece that I found myself after repentance, then turning quickly to the next piece, which is, Lord, give me another encounter. Help me. Help me to be in awe of you again. And so maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you just like, Lord, I, I want to be in awe of you again. Speak to me, move in me, change me, whatever it is. Have your way right now. Expand my amazement of who you are as an awesome God. So, and, and if, if that's you too, then you can come and, and, and we'd love to pray with you about that and as the Lord brings that into your life or whatever it may be, but yeah. Oh God, you are awesome. Lord, have your way in us. You are God. You get to do whatever you want. <laughs> have your way in us. Thank you for giving us not only personal experiences with you, but Lord, thank you for giving us worship, ways for us to respond to you. Lord, help us to respond in worship to what we experience from you. Lord, continue to build our awe. Lord, if we've gotten, if we've lost our awe, Lord, rebuild it. Bring it back. Lord, I thank you for convicting me this week of where I've lost it. Lord, I trust that you've convicted others this morning as well. Lord, don't let up. Press that pressure point until we give up. Because, Lord, that's what we want. We want you to have your way in us. We want you to be glorified because you're the only one worthy of it. You are a mighty and awesome God, but you are so good. And you bless us beyond measure. Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemy comes cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He returned into the, the sea, into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. They did not. They, they, they did. There did they rejoice in him who rules by his might forever. Whose eyes keep watch in the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our Lord, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O oh God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear 
all who fear God, and I will tell you what has been done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If God is dealing with you, please don't leave until you listen. If you need to stay and pray for a while, stay and pray for a while. So often we can run out to the things that we need to do and we miss what he's doing right here in this room. It's not that he can't keep going when I'm on the road home. But why not stay? Come and listen. Repent if you need to repent. Open your heart for him to do a great move in you to restore your awe. Whatever he has, may he have his way in each and every one of us. For his glory, amen.